Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Ordinary Hero podcast. Today is an interview from the High School Life um, podcast that I have with my buddy Carter. So today I'm posting an interview I had with my cousin Jake Smith. Um, it's an awesome interview. I love doing it. Um, Jake is my cousin. He's a, he's about, in this interview, he was about, I want to say 24 and he is one of the coolest guys ever. Um, he's super fun to be around. He's just one of those guys you're like, yeah, he's a he's a solid guy. He knows his he knows his stuff. He knows how to talk to people. Um, he's a great athlete and he's a great businessman. Along with, um, he's had some fun experiences and also some crazy experiences. So we are going to talk about that in this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy, it and I will see you later. Jake Smith is a 26-year-old who started his own business, Steadfast Safes, an e-commerce company. He was born in New Jersey, and he was raised in Arizona, where he lives now and graduated from Arizona State University. Jake is an absolute superstar. 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 As you listen to this interview, you're going to be amazed at how much cool stuff Jake has done already in his short life. Jake is only 26. And get this. He's graduated from college, played college baseball for two colleges, two colleges, that's two, was a missionary in Honduras, lived in Honduras and New York City, and currently has his own business. Oh, and just to get his wiggles out, he plays semi-pro football. One more thing, Jake was a finalist to be a contestant on the show Bachelorette. There will be more about that later. We, we talked about that a lot. Jake packs more into 24 hours each day than most people do in a week. He has a successful business, excuse me, 21 inch biceps, good looks. He's single. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, he's single. And an incredibly fun personality. Uh, Life hasn't always been easy for Jake, and we'll talk about this more, but he's survived some insane setbacks and difficulties. And these things make Jake who he is and make us who we are when we have difficulties. So in this interview, we will talk about difficulties, his life, how you can become a better human being. And yeah, and we guarantee you will laugh and be inspired to listen to this episode. As you listen to this As episode. you listen to this we will episode. Gar- and we guarantee you guys will laugh and be inspired yeah. as you guys listen to this episode. So... Without further ado, here is Jake Smith, everybody. Here he is. Yeah, dude. So I'm the oldest of four. Um, I grew up here in Arizona, but I was born in New Jersey. Um, we moved here when I was like three, so I don't really remember anything else other than Arizona. Um, and then, yeah. So what else did you want to know? <laughs> where um, I grew up? Just like where you grew up, how many, like your family, just like. Tell us a little about it yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I was a, a big sports dude growing up. Like, I had serious ADD, I think. So, like, the classroom was not my best friend. I was just talking to my brother, Spencer, um, about how, like, when it warms up here, I'm always so excited because, like, my body, like, knows that that's when it's summertime. And so I'm ex- always so excited to, uh, I don't know, to get to get out of school really. And, uh, even though I'm way out of school now, like I've, I've been graduated for years, I still feel excited when it's the summertime because, um, hated school, um, hated sitting around. I was always super energetic and I don't know. I think, uh, 
that was a big part of my childhood. Like all of my friends and I had ADD. So we were always running around, getting into trouble, um, being obnoxious. So yeah. So yeah, Arizona is great. My brother's actually here chilling at my house right now. And uh, we hung out together a lot. So it was nice having a little brother um, as your like wingman growing up. So it was nice too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to know anything else in particular? Uh, that's um, good. So Lewis has told me that you had a pretty good baseball career. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it was a good career. I mean, like it wasn't crazy or anything. Um, I was very, I think when I was like, I was young, I was always like sort of behind the eight ball in terms of skill. Like I was always like in the mix and uh, like a decent player when I was growing up, but I played all the time and I was like obsessed with it. Um, like I was just telling you before. So I, um, like I barely made my seventh grade team like by an inch. And then and I never played in my seventh grade year. Then my eighth grade year, I played a little bit. And then slowly but surely, like I was practicing my butt off all the time. I was not a natural athlete by any stretch of the imagination. So I was really working my butt off. Then freshman year came, I was playing a lot of in ninth grade freshman for us. And uh, so I was playing a lot freshman year. Um, sophomore year came, I didn't make the varsity team and I really wanted to because I was still behind. I felt like skill wise. And then junior year came and I was playing a little bit in the varsity team. And I had a good season actually my junior year. And then I kept working my butt off. And then by the end of my senior year, I was um, like an All-American, an Under Armour All-American. I was an All-State guy here in Arizona. Um, did a lot of stuff with like Perfect Game. I don't know if you guys know. But anyway, basically just some like recruiting services. <laughs> and instead of going to play pro ball after high school or going to play um, at a big time college after high school, I decided to go on a mission. So I went on a mission uh, for my church, was only out for like six months, and then I got sick, super sick. So I got, I had malaria actually. So um, in terms of my, I mean, we can talk about that if you want, but like in terms of the baseball career, um, it was kind of weird because I was planning on being out for two years, came home after six months, like no teams were really looking for me. Um, but then I got a scholarship and an offer from NYU. So I went to New York University. Um, which is quite a ways away. Um, so I was playing ball in New York City for a while. So I played college there. It was very fun. Um, but then I decided that I kind of wanted to go play where baseball was like a little bit more serious. So I transferred to ASU and played ball at ASU for um, about a year. So yeah, that was kind of my baseball career. And then by that time, like, and I would be – I don't know, I should probably mention that I also had a major injuries like throughout all this. So I, I came home with malaria. I blew out my knee right when I got started playing baseball. I blew out my elbow. So uh, also in college. So I had a bunch of surgeries. I messed up my ankle one time. I had some shoulder problems. Um, I had tendonitis in my leg, just all this stuff. So trying to stay healthy was a big part of athletics for me when I got to college and uh, I wasn't great at it. So anyway, that was that. So, but it was good. I, I really loved my college career. It made me who, you know, I am and, and uh, taught me a lot of things about life in general. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that was what major, sum it up. Yeah. Uh, what major things did you learn about yourself when you were like playing baseball and just with through those? Yeah, that's all that. 
That's a great question. Yeah. So I think for anybody who knows about sports, it's like, it's kind of like taking on like an extra part of life because life, you win a lot, you lose a lot. Um, but like when you get into sports, it's like, okay, I'm living my life, but then I'm also putting myself out there all the time. Right. You put yourself out there, you, you put yourself out there repetitively and you learn about your lot of yourself when you put yourself into like stressful situations, pinch situations, um, you know, and you, you repetitively do it. You learn how to take wins. You learn how to take losses and you just kind of try to keep and baseball, especially baseball, football is a little bit different, but baseball, you really just want to keep a really level head. You don't really want to get too excited or too, you know, depressed and low, whatever. You just want to be like very level. Um, so keeping a level head in life was, is something that I've tried to do through my business endeavors as well. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of who I am. I think you learn a lot about yourself when you're in stressful situations or depressing situations or, um, you know, tough situations with coaches or with players, with other teammates, how you react to a lot of different things. You learn a lot about yourself. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's that. Sweet. I have a question for you. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You mentioned you weren't always good at baseball, right? Um, did you, right. Work, did you have to work really hard for that? And was there something that, kind of like determined you that kind of pushed you on to become a better baseball player? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, Liz. So um, something that really helped me when I was playing ball was like, um, you know, I really, it's like, you really have to have like somewhat of an imagination in my opinion. And just stay with me while I uh, say that because I think what happens is you get discouraged over like little things and it seems like it's such a long road um, in terms of baseball and being where you want to be or being who you want to be, whatever skills you want to develop. Um, but if you can imagine yourself as some type of person or some with some type of skill in any regard, it's like, if you can picture, like, I love this quote by Matthew McConaughey is like, I want to, my hero is me in five years. So I would love to be, you know, this kind of person in five years. And I just keep that mental picture in my head. And I think with baseball it was like, okay, what do I want to be? Who do I want to play? Like, um, how fast do I want to be? How strong do I want to be? You know? And then you just got to keep that, you know, cause it's nice to emulate to some person. It's nice to like, you know, look up to somebody or some, you know, star, but for me, it was like, all right, this is who I want to be. And I think I can get there if I do A, B, and C. And then you just break it down. You're like, all right, I'm, I'm a terrible batter. So I'm going to go out and hit a million balls against the, you know, against the screen. And um, I want to throw harder. So I throw a lot, you know. So I think once you get to that point, you, you kind of let yourself just after those years go by or those months go by, you just find yourself in that position that you were looking to become. And then that goal continues. So I still think, okay, where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in two years? Um, and I just keep letting that be the dictator of, of kind of my life. And I think it's, it really helped me in baseball um, majorly. So, yeah. So Lewis, yeah, it did take a lot of work, but it's, it's way easier when you like what you want, what you're working towards. 
So like, I really like the thought of me hitting the ball really well. So I'm more than willing to, you know, put in the work because, and then it gets fun for you. Like it, it's enjoyable. You're like, okay, look at me. I'm getting better. This is fun. I like seeing myself as a, as a better ball player. So yeah. 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 That's, that's a great way to long, look. Where do long I winded answer, but yeah, but yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, what are major lessons you've learned about yourself uh, playing the game of baseball? Yeah. So I think kind of going back to what you're saying is like, like what you guys asked me before, but um, it's like, um, I think what, one of the things is like, for me, I didn't realize how nervous I got when I was a kid. Like I got nervous in a lot of different situations. I got nervous talking to people. I got nervous, um, you know, just doing like random little things. Um, but like I said before, it's like you put yourself in a position when you're playing sports and when you're playing baseball that like it really comes out tenfold. And so if I'm on the mound, I'm like feeling this nervousness come over me. And baseball really taught me that like, okay, wow, I do have a problem with my nerves. How can I fix this? Like, and just get myself to where, you know, I can come in clutch for my team or I can play well for my team. So I think learning that like, okay, maybe nerves when I was a kid was like a really tough thing. So how, like, let me get over this. And I saw a lot of the same things like happen in church. So like, for instance, um, you know, I'd be nervous when I'm on the mound uh, pitching and um, and I would also get nervous while I was in church. And I would also get nervous when I was talking to cute girls, right? I would always get nervous, you know, A, B, and C. And then I kind of figured it out in the baseball world. Like I felt confident about myself, you know, for, for like talking to girls or, or um, you know, playing ball. And then the rest of it, it's not that different. That feeling is not that different. So learning how to control that emotion was huge for me. And I think like, like, I mean, this is a high school podcast, right? So it's like, talking to girls, I'm sure is like a big part of it. Right. So, um, yeah, it's like, you really do, you want to, in my opinion, you want to put yourself in uncomfortable positions so you can figure out, okay, how do I actually navigate through this? You know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully that answered your question. No, that was a great, great answer. Okay. Um, so let's talk about some of your setbacks in life. You've had a lot of, you yeah. mentioned the ACL, uh, UCL and, and like your ankle, I guess that's ACL. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, how did you like come back from those setbacks and kind of like done it again, kind of like, instead of just like, like getting back on the horse when it bucks you off instead of just like walking away. Dude. Yeah. Honestly. Wow. Yeah. That has been, I don't know. This is like a very interesting topic too, for me, because in, in, in some ways, like I still feel like I'm recovering from certain things. And I think a lot of times when you hear in church or when you hear other people in general, like talk about, Oh, I'm so glad my trials are over because I feel so much stronger. Um, a lot of the trials like continue, you know, and they continue a little bit, but like, I think a major part of it is like, what, what do I become as I'm coming through these trials? Right. So it's like, um, so for instance, like, okay, so yeah, I blew on my knee, I blew on my elbow. Um, I messed up my ankle, um, pretty badly my freshman year. I had a bone spur in my shoulder 
um, that is still there. It's just like, it rolls around when I'm pitching. It's like a bone kind of growing in the wrong spot. Um, I had malaria on my mission. And so there's a lot of stuff. Right. Um, and that was all, all of that that I just mentioned was in a span of like three and a half years, four years. Wow. So it was like really intense for a while physically. Um, so it was like, all right, I'm back on the horse. Let's do this. And then off the horse. Right. It's like back on the horse, off the horse, back on the horse. And then honestly, I kind of got to the point where like, I'm going to keep doing this until they tell me I can't do this anymore. Cause, and your brain gets into this thing where like, Nope, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And every time something happens, it's like, like we were talking about before is like, if I stop, cause this has happened now, as a matter of fact, like without any emotion, without any like, Oh, what was me without whatever I'm here now? Like, what's the next step? Is the next step for me to stop playing ball? Do I want to stop playing ball? No. Okay. Um, let's keep playing. And then I'll, I'll just work my butt off again and get back. And I just always said like, it'll be a great story when it's over. Right. Like, Oh, this kid came back and came back and came back. And you know, I didn't make it to the bigs or anything like I was hoping to right? like as a kid, you, all like the little baseball players are like wanting to make it to the MLB and I didn't make it, but I'm so, and this is another thing that I think about all the time and it sometimes makes me emotional, but I am so proud of like young Jake. And what I mean by that is I'm so proud that like at a young age, young Jake was able to kind of just get himself together and pull himself back up and do what he wanted to do because it's a lot easier to just kind of run away from it. But, um, and yeah, I'm like where I am, but I'm where I am because of those situations. And that's so cliche, but I'm so glad that like young Jake, like I, I call him young Jake. Cause it's almost like a different person, frankly. And, and, and for me, it's a different person in the good way. And I still have a ton of room to grow, obviously. And I have tons of life to live and I'm excited about that. But what kind of propelled me to, to get on this like healthy mindset almost was those challenges. And um, so I think if I could give anybody advice about going through those kind of challenges is like get to a point in your life where when you're looking back, you can be proud of the young you. Um, and it also ties in a little bit with regret. Like if I keep going and like, and like I said, like, no emotion like all emotions aside like let's put the emotions beside you can wallow you can do whatever but and you and there were multiple times where i'm just like crying my, like i remember i so i so i was playing ball in texas right when i was getting healthy and i was playing well in texas and it's just this we had this texas summer league thing that's for all like prospective pro baseball players and they just send you there so that college pros can watch you and it was between me going or college scouts. I mean, at pro scouts, it's between like the spring season and the next year during the summer, you just go and play. Um, and I was down there, blew up my elbow. And when it happened, I was just like, I heard this pop in my elbow and I was like, Oh, that kind of hurt. And then I was like, you know, it wasn't as bad as like everyone makes it out to be. If this is a Tommy John thing. Cause that's what it was. I, um, UCL's Tommy John. I don't know if you've heard it. Anyway, um, I kept throwing, I kept throwing and it was just, nothing was coming out. Like I was just throwing like 70 miles per hour when I was throwing 90 before. And then 
Um, I get, go to the doctor the next day and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a grade one, grade two sprain. And that's pretty common in baseball. It's just like a little thing. You just sit out a few weeks, no big deal. Grade three is usually a tear. So you tear it and it's over. You have a full year to recover. And that's also really common, but it also, you know, really sucks, frankly. And so, yeah, I was out there, blew up my elbow. I got the call from the doctor and was just in complete shock because my knee was a little different. My knee was such a bad, like it was such a bad blowout. I was like, Hey, this is probably torn, but the elbow was like, okay, it's not that big a deal. And when I got the call, it was like all at once. And I was like, Oh no, again. Right. This was like my fourth major injury, um, including malaria or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I was on the phone with my dad and I'm like, what is next? And I am like choking up, holding back tears. I'm like, what's next? Like, what are we going to do about this? Like, and I, I know he remembers it too because he, I, I'm, he felt really bad. Um, but I was like, I can't believe this happened again. And, and then that night I was just thinking like, okay, hey, what's next? Like, you just got to separate the emotion and be like, Hey, this is where I'm at. What are we going to do now? And then, and I had time to think about it, but man, right after I got done, I was just, crying my eyes out. I was like, dude, I just, I tried so hard and I was a good kid. Like I was, you know, I, and if, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners are like religious, but it's like heavenly father, like God, like I, I am, I have done everything I could possibly think of like to be a good person and to be a good dude. Like, why does this keep happening? And I think everybody kind of goes through that in life, but it is like, I mean, it's like, why? And I still don't know necessarily why, but that's okay. I think that's a big part of it. It's like, you know, you hear people like, oh, I'm so glad that that happened because this happened. Oh, this happened and this happened. I'm more of a guy who's like, all right, I don't know what happened, but does it matter that much? Like, this is just where I'm at. And I have a choice. It's like, do I want to keep doing this or not? Like, so, um, but yeah, like I said, I'm super proud of the young Jake to just go after what he likes because, I think a lot of people get stuck in a rut of just like, no, I'm done. That was tiring, whatever done. And then, you know, that time came for me too, but I'm glad I didn't stop short. Right. So anyway. Yeah. yeah it's such a good thing to remember. Just keep going. And also you talked about like, I was trying to be doing everything I can just like, uh, you just know things happen mm -hmm. for a reason. And mm -hmm. Another thing I want to talk about is uh, when you're in on your mission in Honduras. Um, Honduras is a like a bad disease for our listeners that don't know. It, Google says it kills more than one million people. Oh, you mean you mean malaria? Malaria, yeah. Um, I think you said Honduras, yeah. yeah we'll you're good. You're good. Honduras, yeah, you're good. Malaria, kills about a million yeah. people here all over the world. Um, Mm -hmm. let's see uh that must have been a crazy time in your life living in honduras um mm -hmm. pretty dangerous and sketchy place um for sure yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about life in honduras and your battle with malaria yeah absolutely absolutely so um okay let me think i'm trying to think where to start because i could talk about this for forever as well like i've already rambled on like an absurd amount um but you know honduras is crazy too um, and there's a lot of reasons why Honduras is crazy. Um, so I, you know, I went on my mission thinking I'm doing the right thing, put baseball aside. And that was really hard for me all on its own. Like just thinking about not playing ball, 
you know, what could have been, whatever. And I'm, I w- at, at this time in my life, I'm like a little bit, I'm more selfish and I'm young and like, I, I'm trying to figure it out just like you guys are. Like, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out, but even more so when I was that age. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I've done the right thing. So I get out there and not, and after not too long, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to think, it was probably a month, two months in. I'm like not feeling great. And I had already had some stomach issues in high school that weren't like terrible, terrible, but I was already like, I had already had some like indigestion, whatever, um, gut problems where I was, I had some like passing out incidences, but that's besides the point. But I did think that I was kind of, while I was in Honduras, I had this like stomach thing again. And so I kind of ignored it. And I was also at the point on my mission where I'm like, okay, I'm on my mission. I don't want to think about baseball. I don't, I want to finish this thing. I want to do it the right way. So I'm out in Honduras and I have like this incredibly bullheaded view of like getting through this, not telling anybody that, you know, I'm sick, whatever. Um, It was getting worse. And what was also happening in Honduras at the time was the uh, like El Salvador cartel was um, from what we were told was taking over the Honduran cartel because the El Salvadorians pushed the, cartel out of their country so honduras became a super violent place with these two cartels going at each other so there were murders in the streets there were um a ton of poverty even especially then because you know when socioeconomical issues uh, arise usually it, it becomes more impoverished there's like a lot more stealing so it was really violent really sketchy when i went out there it was um, considered like the murder capital of the world and there was an absurd amount of all of that. So it's me kind of dealing with like this worry that I'm going to get harmed um, and me kind of getting sick. And I, I kind of feel for our mission president because he's like having to deal with this all the time. But I call him and I'm like, look, I'm not feeling good, whatever. I don't know what's going on. And at this time, I'm starting to have like these shooting pains in my gut. My legs are sore. Um, I'm kind of getting headaches off and on. And I'm like, I don't really know what's going on. He's like, I think you're just stressed. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. You know, I, I am stressed. Uh, no doubt about it. Like mentally, I was not there. I was not healthy, not in a healthy, excuse me, mindset. And I was like, all right, let's just get through this, right? Um, and it'll just go away. I just kind of thought that. I thought maybe I just had a bug or whatever. Um, got worse and worse. I was kind of like toppling over random houses. I was like, I couldn't verbally stop saying like, ugh. like it was literally, it would literally verbally come out my mouth. Go, like I'm trying to pinch my gut. Um, yeah, I like passed out of my room. I'm sweating all the time. Tons of drama. Anyway, my mission president, again, I'm like, look, this is kind of getting, well, no, actually what happened was I had like a passing out episode. Then my room, I'm like my, um, my companion gave, sent me to my mission president. My mission president was like, look, we're going to keep you in the office to see how you do. If you get better, great. If you don't, we're going to send you home. And so I was like, all right, great. I'm going to make it my duty to stay on the mission. And they used to have like this little closet area that was probably, it was tiny, but it was basically just big enough to fit a cot. If anyone was sick or like not feeling great, you would just go in this closet, it was pitch black and you just pass out for like, you know, an hour or whatever. I was in there so often, like 
I I was like, oh shoot, I gotta get in there so that nobody like sees me. I am like green. I was I was actually putting on weight because I was like kind of stress eating a little bit. It was one of the few things that I enjoy, like. I would have like sweets or whatever. Um, but yeah, every my health was terrible. And one day I was in the office. I was feeling terrible. I go into the office and I guess I had passed out, but I had like landed on the cot kind of weird. Um, I kind of opened my eyes to see like a handful of elders around me, the lights on the mission president is just standing right there. And I am drenched in sweat. And he's like, okay, Elder Smith, come meet me in my office. Shoot. All right. So then I go in the office, it was a whole ordeal. He was like, why don't you tell us it was getting so bad? And I was like, well, I just didn't want to go home. Then he ended up sending me home and he still thought it was anxiety. Like, I, I'm not really sure. Like his mindset, there were a lot of kids struggling with this, so I don't feel like terrible about it. But I, my friends still joke to me <clears throat> to this day that like I didn't really have malaria. I had anxiety. Like, okay, no, it wasn't, it wasn't anxiety. I had malaria. But then I got – so I got home from my mission. Um, it took a month after my – after me coming home for them to find out what it was. So I, as this time went on, I'm just deteriorating, just sitting at home, which is like really nerve wracking for everybody. Um, and then I finally get better. Um, after I was like, so symptom wise, it started like my stomach was hurting, my legs were hurting, whatever. I, I was getting sore joints, random symptoms. And then it was my face kind of hurt. I had like tingling in my, my eye, like around my eyes and I would get headaches and my neck was getting stiff a lot. And then it kept going and the, all the symptoms were still there, except they were dramatically worse. So my legs were crazy sore. It was getting hard for me to walk. I was getting super dizzy at this point. I was losing sight. Like I had, oh, and this is, so this is also not just malaria. It's called plasmonia falciparum, which is like the most deadly form of malaria and it, it, it'll kill you quick. So I was like losing sight. Um, my mom would call for me, for me when I'm like sitting in the living room and I would like look up at her and my vision would just wobble. Like I would look at her and, and it would take me a full couple seconds to like focus. I started having short term memory loss, like some pretty serious stuff. And my eyes were always like burning. Um, so yeah, some crazy symptoms. And then we ended up going to Utah, got a specialist there. He hooked me up with some medication that was incredibly potent. It really wiped me out. And then from there, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure my life out. And uh, I feel like there was a follow-up question to your, to, or follow-up question to that, Lewis, but I'm trying to remember what you asked me. I, I tried to, uh, summarize my mission experience as best as I could but did you have another question to follow like with with along, along with that uh yeah just like you're such a fighter and like what what's the secret to stay happy in life even though you've had so many things push you down oh dude that's a great question and I appreciate it. that's a great compliment as well it's a great compliment because I do feel like I'm a happy guy um I, I yeah I, I really do so hmm. Honestly, and this is going to sound weird because it's not really completely on topic, but I really do enjoy people. Well, I also enjoy people, but I also like really like um, health and fitness. I try to eat healthy and I try to sleep and I try to make those things a priority. So 
just doing those things helps a lot for me. Um, in terms of the challenges themselves, it's really like a fine line between being patient with yourself and, and getting yourself back up. And what I mean by that is like, and those are kind of like the two things Like you see a lot of people go, okay, um, I had this challenge in my life. I'm just going to let myself ride it out. And, oh, woe is me. I'll self-medicate. Maybe I'll start dabbling in drugs or whatever. And you kind of see them go that way. Like they just let themselves do whatever they want. And then you see other people who are so forceful and so OCD about getting over it um, that they develop other issues. Like maybe they start being aggressive to, you know, spouses or I, I don't know. There's a ton of things. It's like, you really have to be patient because if you push it too quickly, you burn out. And, and it's a long process of trying to get over something emotional and physical. So I think I would say it's like, be patient with yourself. And then when you're feeling a little bit better, just do a little bit more. And that's try to kind of what I've done in my whole life. And that seems so, so simple, but it's like, you got to be patient with yourself. Be super patient with yourself and be very introspective. Like, and what I mean by that is don't let other people be completely consumed by how you should feel and how you should act and whatever, you know yourself best, just be, be patient with yourself. And then as you feel good, take another little small step. And that's honestly, Small steps are like major in the grand scheme of things, at least for me. So, yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about your business that you started. Uh, said, yeah. said fast safes. Can you tell us a little bit? Yep. Yeah. So um, I haven't really posted about it or anything because it's more of like a marketing thing. I haven't really talked too much about it. Like on a, on a very like, but yes. And right before coronavirus hit, I, well, I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur um, when I was doing baseball. I always wanted to start my own business, stuff like that, because that's where I felt like my character was most, um, how would you say, like, it's most, mostly me. And I think I would re recommend that for anybody. Just look, go for anything that feels like it's, it's you, you know, like, go for something that fits like you, feels like you, like. You know, and I felt like all the entrepreneurs and then like, dang, he thinks like me. And so, yeah, I, I kind of was driven in that area. Um, at, at ASU, where I finished school, um, while I was there, I got an internship with a company called BD. I worked for BD. It's a medical device company. I worked for BD for a little while, saved up some money um, while I was an intern. And then they actually offered me a full-time gig when I got out of school. So it was kind of nice. I worked as a full-time dude for a couple of years and I used literally all my savings and sunk it straight into the business. So that's like kind of the risk part of me. And like, that's kind of how I am a little bit. Um, I'm just like a, a little bit of a risky guy in general. And like, I'm okay taking the risk if I know there's going to be a reward and if I work hard. Enough. Um, so yeah, last year, I mean, it's still a new business obviously, but it's like, it's been over a year and change and things are going really well. So can't complain, but, um, I got, I have a whole bunch of friends who are in the e-commerce space and I really wanted to get into it because of a lot of reasons, but mostly because a lot of business is done online nowadays. And, and this is before coronavirus. So like that even boosted sales, but that was 
after I had started. So I got lucky there, but what happened was, so I was working for BD, this company, and I wanted to start this business. And it's like, oh, it's pretty challenging making that jump to doing something on your own from like a corporate environment and being like a full-time guy. Cause you go from having a paycheck to not having a paycheck. I mean, it's, that, it's that simple. So what I kind of did was use my own money and there are ways to crowdfund and do other things, but um, I decided I'm going to do this myself because I want pretty much all the benefits from putting it all in myself. And I felt like I had a good grasp on things. Um, so if, for those who don't know, or I can't remember if you mentioned it or not, but it's a safe company. So it's office safes, home safes. I, I do Winchester safes, Amsec safes. There's like, I have a bunch of different types that are like major brands that I, I retail online. Um, I took a whole bunch of classes online to teach me how to do e-com. And I was doing that outside of going to this 40 hour a week or yeah, 40 hour a week gig. So I'm doing all this stuff on the side and it was basically just no social life, no nothing for a little while. And it was hard. I'm not gonna lie. Cause it's like, I'm a super social guy and I'm like, all right, let's just focus in. Cause this is really what I want. And like this, I, I want this to be my focus. Cause friends and stuff, I can have my close friends, but I don't need it. Like I need what I'm searching for, like what I, what I really, really want. And so that was my focus. Um, but yeah, I was doing like uh, 12 hour days, 13 hour days for a long time for like four or five months, um, which, you know, a lot of people do anyway uh, on a regular gig. And then Kind of started switching over, got the business rolling a little bit. Um, yeah, so, and then I finally jumped ship from the normal corporation when I wasn't quite, like, sustainable with the business, but I had enough money where I could live off of for a little bit. And then, yeah, since then, I've made my money back, and it's going well. So I'm just trying to scale it right now. We're trying to make it a little bit bigger and um, trying to reach a little bit more people. Uh, did you have any follow-up questions? I'm sorry. I kind of just blazed over some of that, but no, that takes care of uh, that business. But um, do you just want to take a quick uh, minute and talk about um, the service you've done with the Navajo Indian reservation? Oh yeah. Yeah. So honestly, when I think about certain things, certain small things in my life that have changed in a big way, that was one of them. There's something that happened when I was going to the Indian reservation when I was a younger kid um, that happened in my mind. Cause I don't know if you know, like the Indian res is like pretty poverty stricken. It's pretty like, um, they really struggle with finances, frankly, um, and just funding in general. So when we went, I had this Eagle Scout project, but I, I used to do basically what they would do is we go to the Indian reservation for Christmas and we give them a bunch of gifts. We give them gifts. We give them hygiene kits. We give them all this stuff. That's just a charity kind of um, trip. Uh, and I'll be honest. Sometimes I think like what we did for them was great, but that affected me like a ton. And the reason is, is because I, when I had a young age, like I was like, 14, 12 to 14, I was doing this every year. And I did it one year for my Eagle Scout project. I realized these people were born 
in on the Indian Reservation, and I was born in Gilbert, Arizona, and into a upper middle class family. Um, these people were born into a lower class family, and I literally just thought, like, what what is the difference between me and these people? Not a whole lot, other than I just happen to live. I just happen to be born with these great parents. I just happen to whatever. And yes, like there's some divine intervention there. And there's a lot of spiritual, you know, religious things that, you know, we could talk about for hours. But frankly, it's like I was just born into a great area. And it really stuck with me. And that stuck with me, like majorly, even into the point in my career right now, where, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about like, you can't just think about right now, like the gold right now, but like, what are you going to do like 20 years down the road? with the finances you have and if you do have the means like you can actually be even more motivated if you think about what you're going to do with it if you become like a millionaire whatever billionaire whatever um and what i want to do is get into um you know giving back i would love to be a philanthropist and the reason is is because frankly because of that those it started with those experiences in the indian reservation where i'm like look i have so much that was just given, right? Like I would just, they just handed it to me, not like, and I have a lot of opportunity to do some good. So I feel a little bit obligated to do it. I mean, obligated is not a great word because it almost sounds negative, but it is kind of like, I really want to, like I'm spoiled, frankly. And I know it, like, I, it's not a mystery to me. I'm spoiled. Cause you know, I got to go to a great high school with great friends and a super healthy environment where people don't get to do that very often. And I see that more and more every day as like, I get to travel and do other things, but frankly, it's like, it started in the inner reservation where I'm given a lot of gifts and things to people who are super underprivileged. And I don't know. It's just, that really, really freaking stuck with me. Cause I'm, I'm like, you know, seeing these kids who are obsessed over getting a soccer ball for Christmas. They're like, kicking it around like it's the best thing ever i'm like wow okay this is i mean it's kind of cliche because people talk about this all the time but it's like it really hit me i'm like i'm seeing this in real life um and i know that people have it a lot worse even than the the indian reservation people so um something that motivates me every day is like look if i can do this the right way if i can keep on my stuff and i can keep improving as a person keep getting better as a business guy i can uh, down the road, I'll be able to do a lot and be able to change the world in a philanthropist way. And so, yeah, like going back to your question, Lewis is like, um, and Carter, it's like those challenges make me want to be more, since I got over them, I'm like, okay, I have a little bit more skill now and I can use this skill to help other people too. So, um, but it all started with the Indian reservation. I'm like, literally, I just was born in and, and sometimes I'm like, oh my, almost mad. I'm like, I'm like almost mad at myself. Cause it's like, I mean, not, I don't want to say mad, but I'm like, I, I have friends that are like, for instance, I'm on a football team right now. I'm playing some pro football and there are like some dudes who are just barely getting by and they're not great with money and stuff. But a lot of that has to do with just their parents teaching them what to do with money. So literally like a lot of their mindset even is, is, you know, developed as a young kid with your parents. So that's another thing where I'm like, okay, I was born to a dad who was a freaking financial advisor, right? So it's like, 
he taught me how to spend my money well. And, and he taught me a bunch of things about life that a lot of people don't get to even learn. So again, I am even more so privileged in that way. So, you know, like little things like that, where if I can get to a place where I'm comfortable, I want to try to give back. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe that sounds too valiant or too self-righteous, but, but, uh, but I, I mean, I, I want to, I mean, that's kind of the goal for me right now. That's so good. Um, on that, uh, talking about the semi-pro football, can you talk about uh, mm-hmm. your change from going from baseball switching? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a good question. Um, so that's a good question. So, all right. I had always played pickup. Like I had played semi, like just very minimal organized football when I was a kid, but like a ton of it. Like we would get done with playing baseball and I go play football, like pick up football, like touch, whatever. I played like a one or two seasons of tackle football. Um, I, in high school was playing touch with my friends, like flag and all this stuff. And when I finished baseball, I got into like flag city leagues because my friends broke me into it. And then one day at like a flag city league, it was like our third time playing this team. And I had scored a handful of touchdowns or whatever. And then the guy was like, dude, you're not a small guy. Like, let's get you out into some pads. Like, we'll see if you can do it. Like, do you have any interest in playing tackle? And I was like, I never thought about doing it. And he's like, and I, he didn't even tell me it was like center pro. He's just like, let's get some pads in there's a league. And I'm like, okay. So I show up, they just throw me, give me some like just trash pads. Like I, I can't even tell you like some of the things were holding on by duct tape. Like my helmet was like half, like it was like screwed on, but like with like different kinds of bolts, like it was like a silver bolt and a gold bolt and like a rusted one. And, and I'm like, all right, well, this is cool. And they gave me like some dirty old mouthpiece. This is gross, dude. And so I go out there. I am just a tackling dummy basically for a couple of weeks. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know any plays. They're like in the middle of their season. This was like two years ago. And uh, then they lose a wide receiver, and I just hop into one of the drills, and I start catching balls because catching is not that difficult for me. I've been playing baseball and pick up football forever. And they're like, oh, okay, you can hold the ball a little bit. We'll just kind of throw you the ball a little bit more in practice. So I got worked in in practice, and then they were like, we want you to stay. Like, do you want to sign with us? I was like, all right, yeah, heck yeah. And, and it's, I say signing, but it's just like, it's just signing up with the team. I don't know. They, they call a signing, but um, it's nothing like super official, like the NCAA player. But um, so, yeah. And then they're like, I think I can't, I had a couple good practices where I was breaking a couple tackles and they were like, all right, we're going to try to give you a couple carries. So I'm like working it. And it's just very small amounts, but they're like, we're going to give you a couple carries, you know, handing you the ball off. And then, I did well getting the ball handed to me and they're like, all right, come back next year when we start it up again and we'll have you play running back. That's freaking sweet. So then that's how it happened basically is like, I just kind of kept playing and it's fun for me. Like there are times where I come home, like right now I have this like pinch in my neck. I think it was from this morning. I had practice this morning and I think I kind of rolled a little bit wrong. It's usually, I don't really have, I haven't had many major injuries yet, but like just little things that's, but it's worth it. It's fun. I get a lot of aggression because I'm sitting on a computer a lot during the day. Like, hey, it's nice to have something at night or whatever that I can go and uh, compete with. Um, I still play softball on Mondays, like with you know, with my buddies, and 
I'll play, I'll randomly fill in for the flag football team still, like the, the city league flag football. Um, but honestly, like, that's what I think makes life fun is that like, all right, you just say yes to things that you're interested in. And it just ha- like, you just keep trying. And if it just, I, I just figured if I suck, like, all right, for instance, this was my first season playing. I, and we've been, this is our, like our fourth week um, of like in this season, I've been practicing it for months, but the very first game, I swear a touchdown on my first run. It was lucky, though. Like, I literally just got in there. They handed me the ball off on the one-yard line. I just dove in. It wasn't really, like, anything special. Then I didn't get any yards the second carry. <laughs> got, like, one yard the third carry. I was, like, going nowhere. I was doing terribly. And then on, like, my fifth carry, I fumbled the football. It was my first football game, like, ever. And they're like, dude, what? You don't do this in practice, like, I'm like, sure, yeah, I don't do this in practice, but, like, the defense is going all out. This is a new defense. I've never played, like, an actual football game. And I really, like, I'm like, but honestly, like, what's the worst that can happen, right? Like, I mean, I get injured, yeah, sure, but, like, if I fail, I fail. But, like, down the road, will I be more upset at myself if I just didn't do it or if, I like, I messed up? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, like, I know how good of a football player I am. Like, I tried that. Like, that was kind of cool, you know, for a little while. And so – um, that's been a big deal for me too. It's just trying new things and trying to like, um, you know, people say like trying new things. Like sometimes when you say trying new things, it's like, there's like a negative stigma about it now. Cause it's like, Oh, trying new things. Like, Oh, you want to try drugs? You want to try like getting boozed up or whatever. And no, like, cause that stuff that actually like limits your choices. You, you get into drugs and then you're spending all your money on drugs and you don't actually get to choose anything else in your life. So I wouldn't say that, but like, yeah, just making choices. Like, trying new things is really fun and like i don't know but yeah i could i could talk about that forever too um but yeah semi pro has been fun and uh and i i got a lot of guys that i've met through it and they're super cool i love the football community at least on my team it's it's hit or miss with teams in football but for our team it's a great chemistry and it's they're fun guys to hang out with so and it's really weird like semi pro if you don't know like there are some guys that are out of high school who like didn't get the scholarship offer because they got a DUI. And like, there are some guys who are like fry cooks, they're like 29 and they like show up with their apron on and they're taking their apron off and they're like putting on their, their pads. Like there are dads there who like one of our DNs is like an old dude. Like he doesn't really play in the games, but he comes and just likes it. He brings like three of his kids. He's got kids like walking around in the field. We call timeouts during practice because they're, they're like, like these little kids are wandering out in the fields and and dude it's it's hilarious like so that's a super new dynamic for me because i've been around like a ton of young athletes and some of them are young but like we also get you know, some stragglers some old guys but yeah it's really fun man so i'll do it for now and then if i like it i'll do it next season or whatever i don't know but obviously it's just for fun so yeah i try to keep it like that Okay, so Lewis told me that you were a finalist, finalist for to be a contestant on The Bachelorette. So- That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Did you have a question for follow up, or did you want to ask like just just how like was that. it? Tell us, tell us about that. Sure. So, uh, okay. So first off, basically, 
for those who don't know, I don't know how many of you guys watched like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette on the ABC, whatever. I didn't really watch it too much, but there's a big group of our friends that would go over on Mondays to watch it like live or whatever. And it was fun because it's a bunch of guys, a bunch of girls, and it's hilarious show to like comment on while you're watching it. So I would go over every once in a while, not all the time, but there were like religious people, you know, going over all the time. And a couple of those people were my friends, like super tight friends who were like, dude, we should put Jake on this thing. And so I didn't think, I didn't think about it at all. Like I didn't think about it at all. And then they, I guess they were filling up like the application while we were watching the show. And then probably like a week, a week into the thing, or I, I say like maybe two weeks in, I get this like call and they're like, Hey, we got your application. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it looks like your friend submitted you, which we love. And then they kind of like talked about how, you know, I would be a good possible candidate. So basically long story short, she sent me a bunch of forms. I filled out some forms, like some prelim forms, just about, you know, being not, not having like any major criminal record. Right. And then saying like, Yes, I'm willing to do this. Am I in a relationship? No. What am I looking for? All those cheesy things. I had to write down like, if my ideal love was to be A, B, and C, what would that look like? And then I would try to like answer whatever. Um, so it was all this like super cheesy stuff. And all those friends who were watching with me on Mondays helped me through every step of the process. They were like, all right, come over. We'll fill out the application together. And they basically did everything for me. So um i w went over and they were like oh they would love it if you said this and then i would i would like all right so we just wrote it down and sent it and they're like oh my gosh we love your answers oh yeah i guess they're my answers whatever um they're all my friends answers and then um so yeah so did that part um then they were like send us some more pictures so they my friends came over and took pictures of me like I'm like, I could have done this myself, guys. They're like, no, we wanted to make sure it was like perfect. So I'm like, all right. So then they we sent in pictures. Then what was the next step? So so then as this is going on, she's like, oh, congratulations, move on to the next round. And I had no idea like how involved it would be. Cause it's like you, you fill out this application, they look through your Instagram, they do all this stuff, and it's just every step of the way, there's something crazier. And the other one was like, I got on a FaceTime call. And so I did like a FaceTime chat, whatever, with these peeps. <clears throat> and then they were like, oh, you're fine, whatever. You're not a complete weirdo. You, you are a weirdo, but you got some, and you, and you got some issues, but we can work with the issues. And I think, um, yeah, and I'm not too, I'm not too uncomfortable in front of the camera. Uh, so I think that helped as well. But then they were like, all right, we want you to do a full video. So like, we want you to answer all these questions within a video application. So I, I got in front of a camera. I didn't get in front of, basically what happened was <clears throat> I told my friends that, you know, I made it to this round, whatever. They're like, okay, come over on Thursday night at seven. We'll have it all set up for you. So I walk in, there's like a light set up and there's a stool and there's like, there's freaking, uh, they're like all sit around a couch behind the camera. They have like their own personal questions that they want to ask me while the, while the video is going. So the video was going, I'm just sitting on a stool. I just barely show up and they're like, cut, cut, cut. That was terrible. We're, we're redoing that. These are my friends. I'm like, all right. And they're like, don't say it like this. Cause that sounds like you, you don't care that much. Say it like this and make it really cheesy. I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I just go off on this whole thing super cheesy, whatever. 
Um, and yeah, I make it as cornball as possible. I'm like, oh, I had this love when I was 19 and she, she left and like my heart was broken. It was like this whole thing, which was completely played up. Um, anyway, so we send in the video. Then they're like, this is amazing. Come to California. I'm like, shoot, okay. And, uh, and I'm like, all right. So I'm like, okay, my family has this. So like preface this, my family has like a, a condo in San Diego. So we go to San Diego every so often. And I tell my friends and they knew about the condo because a bunch of them have been. And I tell them, look, they want me to go to California. That's, that's the freaking sickest thing ever. They're way more excited than I am. Like, I can't even tell you. I'm like, yeah, but guys, like, I don't know how this is. Like, I'm sure there's a ton of people left. And they're like, no, dude, you're a finalist. Like, this is the last straw. Like, this is what's going to happen when you get there, A, B, C, D. Um, and so what happens is right before I leave to California, they send me this packet. It's like 27 pages. Um, and it's like, give us all the information of every relationship you've been in. And it's like how long the person, the, their phone number, where they're living, um, give, give us every roommate you've ever had, their phone number, where they're living, give us like just an absurd amount of information. So that was like, really, it's like, and it was like, have you ever had, have you ever forced someone to have an abortion? Have you ever like just crazy stuff? Have you, do you have any kids out of wedlock? Do you just, have you ever smoked marijuana? Like how often do you drink? How, how many drinks a night do you have? It's just like the longest thing. And so it took us like probably a week to fill out this thing. Cause it's really in depth. I had to get all this information. So we do that. We fill in They're like, Hey, congrats. Come to California. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to California for like a weekend. And they're like, no dude, we're going to come with you. So I get like six of my buddies to come to California and they're like tearing me on like the whole week. And it's like, it became like this, it, it was a vacation for all of us, but like it was all surrounded with this, like, you know, this event of me going in to, to talk to the casting, whatever. And uh, you know, they're like, are you nervous? Like you should be so nervous. This is good. This is like the biggest opportunity of your life. I'm like, geez, I, I mean, it's a show. Um, I'll get on, I'll get a couple Instagram followers and that'll be it. Like, I don't know what you're expecting from this, but, um, so yeah. So then I go in a super pretty normal interview. I didn't feel super nervous, but I felt kind of weird. Just some of the questions they asked, like, like, uh, describe the last love of your life. And I'm like, describe it. Like, did you feel, did you have like butterflies in your stomach? And I'm like, I mean, yeah sure uh, that's what you want to call it They're like how did you was it love at first sight and i'm like no They're like oh okay and then they're like and i could have handed up a little bit more but that's not really me like it is to an extent but not that you know i'm not like that blatant about it and i think they kind of wanted that but um anyway they were, they're like that was amazing like we'll call you whatever and they were like hey one of the producers called and she was like, I really like you. It was really fun having you, but like, there's a chance that the, the girl that, cause we didn't even know who the girl was going to be. It, it was, I was going to be one of like 30 guys. Right. And there was going to be a chick um, that we're all like uh, fond. Uh, what's the, what's the word? Like fonding? No. Um, anyway, we're all just like oogling over supposedly. Um, but yeah, so um, they were like, we, the girl that, 
is probably going to be on the show is like 39 and you're like 24 at the time. So I was like, wow. Okay. And she's like, there's a chance that we're going to be going with the older cast, but we'll, I'll let you know. And I'm like, okay, this is probably not going to happen. And then it didn't happen. And so, but they're like, resubmit all your stuff and um, we'll like give you a shot for the next time, whatever. And this was two years ago and then Corona hit. So that didn't really happen last year. And I might do it again. My friends want me to do it again, obviously, because they're obsessed with the show and whatever. And I'd be down to do it again. Honestly, it was a great experience because I got to hang out with my friends. And, um, you know, I, it was fun to just hang with them and, and joke around and make this whole thing like a huge deal, which it didn't really need to be. But anyway, that's a lo another long answer that I did. probably you probably didn't need. No, it's, no it's it is good. The longer the yeah. better with this type of stuff. Okay. Wait. So okay. Cool. Did it start out as a joke, and then it just went? Dude, like totally. Like, well, it was more like, cause like we we've made like little random videos, and I've just been a clown on the videos, and like, oh, that was funny. Like, you're kind of funny in front of the camera, and then my friends were like, oh, you do great on this show. Like, you get up there and mix it up with guys. Like, you have no like filter. That's what my friends would say. Oh, it'd be great to have you up there with no filter. I'm like, that's probably not, maybe, I don't know. That's not the best compliment I could get, but I guess that'll work. I'm like, you just tell girls off like you do in real life. I'm like, oh gosh. And then, uh, so that, so yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they submitted me like kind of randomly as a sort of as a joke, but I think, uh, yeah. And then since then, I've actually gotten called to audition for like other shows. And I haven't really talked about this as well, but. Um, it was like a 12 dates of Christmas show that they asked me to be like to audition for a uh, similar process, but not as extensive. And then there was another, um, Fox is doing like another show. That's like, um, it's like the same type of thing as like the bachelor, but it's going to be new for this next year, but it's just Fox's version. And, uh, so I tried out for that, but nothing really came of those either. It's just. They're like, hey, you want to jump on a call and do an interview? I'm like, sure. And then I just do it and then act like a clown for 20 minutes. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, they're like, all right, well, that was cool. The Christmas one was hilarious, though, because I thought The Bachelor was like, The Bachelorette was kind of cheesy, like the way they answered and asked questions. But the, the Christmas thing, it was called The 12 Dates of Christmas. And they were like, how do you think that your love life will intertwine with the magic of Christmas. And I was like, what the crap? Like the magic of Christmas. Like, I'm like, have you ever dated someone during Christmas? I'm like, yeah, it's nice and stuff. And they're like, okay, well, they're like, what about like mistletoe and jingle bells? I was like, dude, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I guess it's cool. It's nice to be around her with my family. And they're like, okay, but what about like the magic? I'm like, the magic, the, the magic. I mean, maybe I'm just not that kind of guy or whatever, but they were definitely looking for that kind of guy. So I guess they'll get what they're looking for. I guess it's some super cheesy dude. It's so funny. Okay. So we're going to start wrapping up. We've got a couple you more got questions. It. And yeah. so this one, uh, if a listener is struggling with like depression, anxiety, what advice do you have to give them? Dude, I'm super open about this because I have struggled with that stuff my entire life. And 
I have no shame about it. Like, I, I know it's like some somewhat taboo. Like people are embarrassed and stuff. I could talk about anxiety and depression for a long time. Um, I didn't realize I had anxiety and depression until I was probably 21. Like I was back from my mission. I was 20. Um, and I was getting therapy for some of the stuff I saw in Honduras and experienced in Honduras because it was like very traumatic. Um, but the, the, my therapist, my counselor was just like, dude, you have some normal like anxiety underlying all this stuff that you've already experienced. So it was like, I had anxiety. And then on top of that was the traumatic stress. So, um, I am, I feel like that has been a, a big part of my life. Um, and the biggest advice that I could have for anybody is that there are a lot of resources out there. Um, and this kind of gets me a little bit emotional because there was a long time in my life where I just was like, no, I'm, I'm the man. Like, let me just do this. Like, I'll just get through it. Like we were talking before, like, I'll just man up, whatever. And that's like, you know, weird cliche. I just man up. Um, but you gotta know that there are resources out there and that could be, and this is also like, sort of, you hear this a lot, but it's like, okay, if you're, if you've not been a therapy and you have anxiety, highly recommend it. Go to therapy. You can work out so much stuff just with someone talking to you because what happens in your head is like, you start thinking negatively and you don't even notice and it just keeps unraveling and you just continually sit in this negative emotion, this negative state. So if you haven't gone to therapy, what they can do is they just, he just goes, okay, instead of thinking this way, just reverse it and think like this instead, or, and he'll give more specific suggestions with the specific feedback you give him, but, or her, um, and they kind of unravel this negative thought process. And then you kind of just get back on a positive thought process. That's one, that's one thing. That therapy. The second thing, probably, I mean, for me, I'm open about this. I'm on medication. I'm on a very slow, small dose of an antidepressant, but I found out that when I was like 20, he was like, dude, you have, you've always had, and I didn't know this, but when I was sharing an experience with him, that I've always had some biological anxiety, just whatever hereditary, whatever, um, I wake up stressed out for no reason. Um, so if you're a person that I think has like, you're just stressed, like if you wake up and you're not thinking about anything, you're just stressed, you're just sitting there anxious. That might be one of those things that you look into. It, it's right for some people. It's not right for others. So at least look into it. That's a second resource. A third resource is find those people in your life that are like your backbone. Like, my mom is one of the most phen phenomenal people ever. And anyone who knows her knows that. Like, just a saint. She'll listen to you. She understands. She, I can just pour my soul to her. And she'll just give me positive feedback back. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, why do you think that? Because So it's, it's, it's in a different form, like a counselor as well. But she's also someone who's close to me who knows me really well. So that's another resource, right? A fourth resource. You have the internet nowadays, like use the internet to, and this is going to sound cheesy, but nobody talks about this. Like if you go onto YouTube and just type in happy videos, you can get a million happy videos. Like you can type in motivational videos. Okay. For, for instance, like I should have brought this up earlier, but Lewis, you, you mentioned it is like, like, what do you do to stay motivated for like a year when I was like in a pretty health, bad, healthy, um, state i would literally just watch motivational videos on youtube every single day 
I was like, all right, I just need to get in a good mindset. And I wake up, watch a video. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready to do this. And I just do it again and do it again. And I had like a little playlist on my phone marked motivational, get out of your funk, Jake. Basically, it's just like folder, right? So you can use social media and these platforms for good stuff. And if you're following the right people, you can get motivational, healthy stuff. Um, so that's a big one. That's another resource. Um, and then what you can do as well is like, and this is pseudo like a fifth one, but what you can do on your phone. And this is what I've done throughout my life is like, I have like, when you get stressed, you kind of get panicky or like when you get anxious or you get depressed, you get panicky and you kind of say, um, geez, like, it's like, you kind of can't get out of this mind space that like this sucks sort of. But if you have like a very simple plan of like how to get out of it, that's like written down. It's really helpful. So on my notes on my phone, I have this folder. It's like, <clears throat> this is my, like my healthy thoughts folder. I can't even remember what I named it now, but I haven't had to use it in a while, but it was just, um, it was like just little things that I could do. Um, one of them, for whatever reason, whenever I clean my room and like organize everything, I feel good. So I, that's one of the things, um, the YouTube videos was another thing. And I just have a list of things that like, kind of get me out of my funk. Um, John Bellin's an artist I like. He's a happy guy and Quinn. Like those are two guys I listen to are just happy artists. So I listen to them um, like music wise. And then I just have like a handful of things like talk to your mom. That's all in there. So I just have like a list of things that help. Usually when I do a couple of them, I'm, I'm fine. Um, so like just try to set up like a system for yourself that when you get bummed out or something happens or whatever, you can just kind of go back to um, – and this is also like kind of back to what we were talking about. This would be my last note probably. Um, but sometimes like when I have um, been like in a really deep spot or like a really cruddy area in my life. So backtrack a little bit. Have you ever like watched like Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or anything like that? They always have a guest on. And a lot of times like, okay, so you're in this really dark place and like you're in this really stressful area or whatever. And like, maybe, maybe this is on Joe Rogan or whatever. Um, like, how did you get out of it? And like, we're talking like right here, you and I, I'll picture myself answering questions like, okay, this is how I got over it. And then you in your own mind become the protagonist of your own story. So basically like we're talking right now, like how did you get it? Like you asked me, how, do, how did you get over it? Whatever. I just, I've pictured this, I mean, I don't know about this moment exactly, but like similar moments about people asking me, okay, how'd you get over it? And I'm like, well, I kind of fought hard and blah, blah, blah. And then that kind of pumps you up as well. And that might be kind of cheesy or like maybe too, but like, if you can picture yourself as like the protagonist, like when people ask you how you got over this challenge in two years, how are you going to answer? Like, just like you guys are asking me, like you, someone's going to ask you like how you got over it. And then it makes you feel like, do I want to say like, I got over, like I didn't actually get over it and now I'm hooked on Coke, right? Like, no, you're not going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, or my addictions just swapped and now I'm doing this. Like, oh no, I gave up on my dream and now I'm doing, like you wouldn't answer that in a, in a, in a questionnaire or whatever, because you wouldn't be, you know? So anyway, that's a, a long-winded way of just, Trying to trying to be the hero of your own story, frankly.
So anyway. that's absolutely yeah. awesome. Um, last question to kind of yeah. wrap up this interview is if you could go back in time to kind of tell younger Jake, um, six yeah. years younger Jake, uh, what advice would you have for younger Jake? <laughs> I have thought about this so much actually, um, because it really is like a different person and you guys will find the same with you. Um, as you make bigger changes in your life, you're going to be like, what was I thinking? Or, Hey, dang, I'm glad he did that. Um, my biggest thing was like, I wish younger Jake and I, and I kind of get emotional about it. It's like, dude, just ask for help, bro. Like, Oh man, I would have had so many problems avoided if I just would have been like, Oh mom, look, this is what's going on. Can you help me? And that sounds so corny, but like, and, and a lot of like, I think dudes have a big problem with this. I think women are a lot better naturally is like they can open up a little bit easier. Like, I don't know what it is about like this pride that I had or whatever is like, I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to therapy. Therapy's for nutcases and whatever. But like, dude, that really helped me. And like, now I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like, okay, therapy for me was a lifesaver and now I'm happy. So I don't know why I didn't like think to do, uh, ask for help, you know? So that's by far the biggest thing. Dude, ask for help because that would have lowered a lot of my anxiety that I had. Um, and we talked about being nervous at the beginning, but it would have totally killed a lot of my nervousness. So anyway, but yeah. Sweet. Thanks so much for getting on. We really appreciate Dude, it. Absolutely. No, this is really fun for me. And I enjoy talking about myself and bragging and stuff because I'm an <laughs> egotistic loony, loony boy. So, so yeah. Um, but I appreciate it guys. And, uh, it sounds like fun. So I, yeah, I've listened to a couple of your guys' podcasts and it's, it's legit. I wish I did this. Like, I wish I kind of like thought about it or had the, honestly, I, I think it's just having the guts to do it. I mean, good for you guys that you're, you're, you're getting after it. Cause this will help you in a lot of ways in, in my eyes is like just putting yourself out there. It's so, so healthy, so healthy. So um, just for personal development, but I'm sure it's fun too. And uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy that. So yeah. Okay. Thanks but, so much. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. This has been Dude, a absolutely. perfect, perfect interview. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Thanks. I'm sorry I went over a little over time because I oh, no, great. The more the better. It's just yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Right. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys. Mm -hmm.